Welcome to Real Life, the program that talks about the life of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond. The people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate with your host, broker associate of Sotheby's International Realty, John Christopher. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today, we're going to the eastern shore of Maryland. And I'm fortunate enough to have the owner and broker of Meredith Fine Properties, Cliff Meredith. Hi, Cliff. How are you today? I'm fine. And you? Great. Wonderful. Uh, You profess that Maryland's eastern shore is America's best kept secret. Can you tell us why? Uh, First of all, we're on the Chesapeake Bay, which is the largest estuary in the world. Uh, The county that uh, I live in and the one that uh, most of our offices are in is Talbot County, which has the most amount of water frontage of any county in the continental United States. Wow. Uh, We have a population of less than 50,000 people, but we have almost 700 miles of waterfront. That's that's a, a fantastic. You know, it's something that uh, you bring up a, a good point because I was looking at some of your listings and the, the, especially the waterfront estate listings. And they're very similar to the Hamptons, except for one notable difference. And that's the acreage. Like you have one listing, 121 acres on the on the water, another one with 91 acres. That's a lot of acreage. Was there was it always that way or did owners buy the adjo- adjoining neighbor's property? No, I think if you go back several hundred years, uh, the eastern shore of Maryland uh, was colonized and there were very large uh, estates and some of them produced cotton, some tobacco, different things. But uh, many of the landowners acquired vast amounts of acreage. Some had as many as 5,000 acres. And over the years, many of those properties have been subdivided, resubdivided, pieces sold off. But there still are very, very uh, many good sized uh, uh, parcels in in, all over the eastern shore. It sounds like that. When you said have been developed uh, because uh, we've had some estates in Long Island you know, like the uh, Vanderbilt estate and those uh, that similar ilk. Um, how have they been developed? Have they been just expanded or single family homes or uh, uh, multiple dwellings? Primarily, primarily single family homes, in, at least in, the, in Talbot County, which again is where, that's where I live. So that must tell you something about what I think of it. Uh, <laughs> there are other, other uh, counties on the Eastern shore and uh, some of them uh, have a much higher density in development than we do. Uh, where I live, it's primarily uh, single family dwellings. There are very few condominiums. Uh, you can almost count them on one hand. Uh, on the other hand, if you're uh, going into a, a county like Worcestershire with, with uh, Ocean City, Maryland, uh, probably there are as many condominiums there as there may be in New York City, and it's just yeah. one after another. 
Uh, and that's two different two different places on the eastern shore of Maryland. Now, you have an office in Ocean City, or you just acquired one. We do, yes. And you have an Easton and Trap, is that correct? Yeah, Easton and St. Michael's. And St. Michael's. Yes. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I was I was in the area because uh, uh, it must be at least uh, 25 years ago. And I've been to St. Michael's and it, it, it you know, it was so charming. Is it it's still like that today? Indeed, it is. Uh, Oxford, St. Michael's and Easton. Each one of those towns are in Talbot County. Uh, each is completely different. They have their own character. Oxford, where I live, is, is uh, known for sailing, and it's a small, quaint village. Uh, we don't have a traffic light in Oxford, which is amazing. That is amazing. Uh, St. Michael's is uh, a little more uh, touristy. Uh, it has uh, a number of very good restaurants. Uh, the museum, uh, the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum. Museum is located at St. Michael's. And there are a lot of people that come from all over the country to visit the museum. It has a lot of uh, information about boating, hunting, fishing, all sorts of things. Easton is the hub of Talbot County. Uh, that's where my main office is. And Easton has just about anything that you could find Anywhere in the world, some of the finest restaurants I've ever seen, uh, wonderful metal, medical care, uh, great shopping, and a population of less than 20,000 people in the Easton itself. Now, are, are the residents uh, full-time there, or are they, is it more of a vacation uh, venue? It varies uh, probably 80% of the people living here are full-time, 20% uh, vacation here or they have a second home. We're very close to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, and Philadelphia. Uh, we're about 90 minutes from downtown D.C., about uh, 75 minutes from downtown Baltimore, uh, about two hours and 15 minutes from downtown Philadelphia and about three and a half hours from downtown New York. So we and we have a wonderful airport uh, that'll handle almost any size jet. So we found that uh, during COVID, it changed the way that we were accustomed to doing business. Uh, many people from different parts of the country uh, decided they wanted to get to an area less populated, but they still wanted to be within uh, three or four hours of a major city. So we were just, we have a, had an enormous influx of people from New York City and, and New York period, not just the city, but the suburbs and certainly Northern Virginia and Baltimore and DC primarily. That's amazing. So you're saying all your buyers are coming from various parts of the country. More or yes. Less. Wow. Did you, have you gotten any Californians? Actually, we have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, but Maryland is not noted for any tax advantages, correct? Or, or am I no. Uh, but uh, having said that, uh, Talbot County, and again, you hear me refer to that often. Uh, Talbot County has the lowest real estate taxes of any any of the 26 counties in Maryland. Wow. So in that regard, it's a, it's very tax-free. 
Wow. Interesting. That's, that's very interesting. Um, what's your inventory like? At the moment, our inventory is surprisingly, it's, it's fairly good. Uh, there was a time uh, maybe a year or a year and a half ago when inventories were at an all time low. Uh, and again, that was reflective of the enormous influx of people uh, because of COVID. Uh, that has stabilized and our sales have stabilized. Uh, I think everybody in real estate experienced a tremendous increase in volume uh, for at least a couple of years during COVID. That has, uh, again, sort of stabilized and we're seeing a slight increase this year over last year but not the increases we were having for a couple of years where it was 50 or 60% increase regularly. I mean, it was right. something that was, we've never seen that before. Interesting. Um, so with the price, so the prices are still rising, but not as dramatically as a couple of years ago. Uh, and frankly, the prices are here are not rising. We've seen more decreases in price uh, in the past six months than we've seen in the last three and a half years. So, again, that, I believe, is a direct result of the stabilization of the market itself. Uh, it's more normal now, and we don't see bidding wars that we saw for a very short period of time. Uh, and we don't see people looking for uh, uh, what I would say would be uh, not realistic <laughs> pricing. Right. There are people that thought, well, this, if you're ever going to sell, this is the time to do it. They just pick a number out of the hat. <laughs> that isn't going to work today. Right, right, right. You know, it's interesting because we're still having uh, somewhat of the uh, same situation here in the sense that um, a lot of buyers say, well, you know, Charlie down the street got X amount of dollars for his house. Why can't my house get that? <laughs> and it just, uh, you know, you just have to be realistic. You can't be uh, pie in the sky with this. Um, that's interesting about the bidding wars because we're still having that here too. And I was thinking with the um, the bidding, you're not having any at all. No, wow. uh, not anything that would make any impact. There, there's always an, uh, an exception to the rule, and there may be an anomaly where there someone might we might get a full price offer and then get something a little above it. But that is not the norm. That's not an everyday everyday occurrence. Right. It's rare. Right. How about uh, doing comps? Is it harder to do that since the market has moved so fast? Like, you know, going back a year, probably not the same um, level of doing a comp for the property. It's not too difficult for us because that's we I've been doing this for 42 years. So it's uh, we're in the business every day and we see what's happening. So we're, we're up to date with uh, price changes. And so it's, it's fairly easy to do, do the comps. Oh, that's good. Um, have the mortgage rates had any effect on your market? Not particularly. Uh, the majority of our buyers are uh, not rate sensitive to begin with. Many of them don't get a mortgage. They just pay for the property, whatever it is. Uh, we just, an example, we just had a sale in December for 14.5 million and it was all cash, no appraisal, nothing. And that again, that's not everyday occurrence either, but those kinds of buyers, many in the, let's say one and a half million range up to 10 million, uh, the same thing applies. Many people don't 
They're not paying attention to uh, a down payment. They're not particularly concerned about mortgage monthly payments. Many of them won't have them anyway. Uh, so it's, uh, I guess we're lucky. We're blessed that we don't have that to worry about. Right. That, that's fascinating. Um, do you have a rental market there? Is there or We do. It's, it's a very vibrant rental market. Uh, in the beginning stages of COVID, and when I say the beginning, I'm going to say maybe it was six months in, uh, we had uh, people, and this was primarily from the state of New York. We did have some from Pennsylvania and New Jersey, but we had people that were paying uh, $50,000 a month for a four-bedroom home on the water. And that may be commonplace if you're in L.A. or the Hamptons, but it's not commonplace here. Uh, we're happy if we get $5,000 a month in many cases. Uh, so that's changed. Uh, the, that has changed our rental market. Uh, if people today would have to anticipate that they're going to pay more than they would have paid five years ago, but they're not going to be paying $50,000 a month, maybe seven or 8,000, where it might've been five, three or four years ago. Right. Hmm. Uh, are year-round rentals hard to find there? Rentals are very hard to find, extremely wow. hard. Okay. Well, uh, if people had more questions about the Eastern Shore of uh, Maryland, how could they reach you, Cliff? The best way is call me on my cell and I will answer the phone. It's 410-924-0082. Okay. And what is that again? Just the to... 410-924-0082. Cliff Meredith of Meredith Fine Properties. It's a, it's a pleasure having you on the program and very educational. This is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting from the Vibram Village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island. WLIW 88.3 FM. Please stay where you are since we'll be right back with my next guest. Welcome back to Real Life, and this is your host, John Christopher. And today I'm bringing back Mark Chevert who's uh, the founder of Chevert Engineering and Architectural Design. Hi, Mark. How are you today? Great, great. Great. It's great that nice you were on see. the program before. And as all, you know, we, you brought us some very interesting topics. And I thought, you know, let's, let's continue with the topic. And uh, we we're talking about contractors and how many people uh, don't get the, the, the permits because the, the town, Southampton town has been delayed in, in issuing permits. And so a lot of times they'll go in and start construction. And at the end, you have to come in and, you know, because they're having some issues. So can you give us a little background and, and why? And, and this is the leading up to the question. Why is it so important to hire a licensed contractor? Well, um, it is indeed very, it's a very good point and very good question and very good topic to bring forth and to the public. Because I think it's very important that the public understands that uh, to do any construction work or any home improvement work in the town of Southampton, which is a very, very large town, the, uh, uh, one must have a, a home improvement contractor's license. And this is a state regulation that um, it's called General Business Law 777, that 
uh, creates the, the regulations for contractors offering to uh, to do construction to homeowners, people who are not in the trade. So the contracts have to be drawn in a certain way, have certain uh, requirements, and the people must have a license, and some of the money has to be put in escrow for every construction contract. And the town of Southampton um, does issue its own home improvement contractor's license. The county also uh, issues its own improvement contractor's license. So, for well, example, I, I if- don't mean to interrupt you. That's a, a, interesting because uh, I've had some work done on my house, and I didn't realize that that uh, you had to have a contract. I just assumed that the contractor you're dealing with, you know, they give you a contract, you look at it, and you say, okay, um, we're going to complete this X time, and it's going to cost X amount of money, which it normally doesn't, and uh, that's it. But you're saying. People can go to the what Southampton Town website and and download the, the a contract just to see. They they can download the list of licensed contractors, and once they are licensed contractors, then they must offer a contract to the homeowner that has a, a three day rescission uh, period. That within three days the person can uh, the same way. For example, when you go to Home Depot and you ask Home Depot to do. Um, to do work for you, they have a whole standard long form of contract, which is a home improvement contract. You have the three-day recession. Some of that amount has to be, uh, will be held in escrow and only be released once the work is satisfa- satisfactorily completed. So it, it, the town of Southampton issues its own license. It's very important to use a licensed uh, co- uh, contractor to do so. In the village of uh, Southampton, you can use uh, contractors that are licensed by the county, but it is much easier. I think the town, uh, by using ta- contractors that are licensed by the town, you can also afford yourself of the complaint process. That if there is a dispute with a contractor, you can then file a complaint with the licensing review board, who will then review the compl- the work and make sure that the the work was done satisfactorily. And if it was not. The, the contractor's license will be revoked and he's not going to be able to do work in the town of Southampton. Wow. That is, that's, that's a great piece of advice, you know. Um, speaking of uh, advice, uh, one of the big issues that we have out here in the Hamptons is affordable housing. I mean, service peoples and construction workers can't afford to live here. Uh, but you were on the Southampton Community Housing and Development Corporation a sister agency of the town housing authorities. Can you elaborate on how these agencies work and what are the county and state doing to promote affordable housing? Well, uh, that's a big topic. That's a big topic. And uh, I think, yes, that's correct. There's tremendous amount of uh, the the need is tremendous for affordable housing. And it's interesting, one of the projects, uh, some of our clients have come up with a way also to uh, provide affordable housings through uh, house sharing, which is also uh, we've uh, worked with on a few projects whereby uh, the, the owners and developers have been purchasing homes, let's say of three bedrooms and one bathroom, and they've been converting the homes to uh, four bedrooms with four and a half bathrooms, such that every bedroom has its own uh, bathroom, and they've been renting those houses to uh, mostly young people uh, who then have their own room and their own bathroom and they only share a kitchen and a common element. And that's also a very good 
uh, a solution for to provide affordable housing to young people who really enjoy the, the sharing. Uh, it reminds them of their uh, the dorms, the way they were sharing the dorms. And personally, I think it's a much healthier lifestyle to come home at night after work and come home and be with other people than coming home in your own little home or studio and being by yourself. I think that house sharing uh, is definitely something that could be promoted, maybe helped in terms of zoning with the town and uh, to provide this uh, common uh, uh, shared housing. So that's a, a great idea, especially uh, for investors. I mean, can can you get uh, the rentals? I guess if you have four people in a in a in a home, uh, and then you have separate en- ensuite bathrooms for each of them. Exactly. Um, can you? I guess you can get the rentals because if it was just a single family home. I mean, they're 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 quite high now. You know, rentals are just first of all hard to come by. But I think it's as an investment opportunity. I think that's something that's, you know, people have never even thought about. Yeah, exactly. And in the, in the case of the the clients for whom we are doing this work, they also provide additional services. Like they they, they will take care of the landscaping. Some of them take care of the 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 cleaning of the houses. So it's really like an extension of the the dorms that those young people were were used to when they were at university, where they were sharing. Yeah, I think that. So that's. Uh, we, I think that to resolve the issues of affordable housing, we need to be able to think out of the box and try to uh, come up with solutions that really can be implemented in our area, and that uh, to build, you know, large. Um, Affordable housing projects may not be uh, really the, the, way the solution, the yeah. way to go. Yeah, yeah, I think that we should uh, look at have having maybe clusters of maybe a few smaller clusters, try to do um, and have affordable housing also a lot more east of the, the canal in some areas. Mm-hmm. And without creating, you know, like, I don't want to call it patchwork style, but, you know, large uh, developments. Exactly. You know, it's a, a, the other um, party that could be uh, benefit from this is actually, um, you know, restaurateurs and, and uh, people that have service industries, you know, that have like cleaning services. And so they have an issue with finding help um, because there's, you know, no place for them to, to stay. And, and to me, uh, especially now with restaurants, not just being three months a year, but being all year. Uh, to me, it's a great concept. I mean, somebody goes in, buys a house, fixes the house so that it it's um, uh, ensuite, you know, each bedroom. Yeah. And the mental health is, is you know, what you're talking about. It's, it's so true, I think, you know, being by yourself as compared to being in a group, as you said. And a lot of the service people are young people. So I think it's exactly. a, a great concept. But, yeah, the ensuite, the ensuite, once it's ensuite, it's like it changes the whole thing. It becomes like a hotel room. And right. whether you want to eat in the with the other people in the house or not, it's yeah. I, I think I, that uh, the thing about what you said, providing the uh, the maintenance of the house. I mean, that's a great idea because one of the things I know, um, having been a landlord myself, is that people when they rent don't necessarily take care of exactly of the property. You know, not exactly. the way that you think it should be taken care of, like mowing right, right. the exactly. lawn. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but, and so you built it into the, the cost of the room. 
and people will pay. They will be happy to pay because they don't want to take care of the grass. They don't want to take care of the uh, of the repairs. They don't want to take it exactly. You you include the utilities. You include like this. They are like it's, it's a hassle free living, you know. And all they have to do is get along. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I love so, it. You have a, a, a continuing ed class, education class for real estate agents on on this. You- well, I have a, yes, I do have a, a continuing education class for affordable housing and to explain how the various agencies work and uh, how, how you get the income ratio and what is the difference between, you know, Section 8 housing and uh, which are voucher type of housing versus other types of affordable housing. Because there's basically two types of affordable housing. There's one which is Section 8, where you go to an agency, one of them being the, the town housing authority, but there is Long, Long Island Housing Partnership. There are many other entities that will give a voucher to somebody to, uh, and that voucher will allow that person uh, to rent a house and the voucher will pay the difference between what they can afford in terms of rent, which is 30% of, the, of their uh, income versus how much the rent is. So that's a Section 8 housing where you really can work with any any uh, landlord. And then there is the other one, which are subsidized projects that have been, they are like multifamily projects that have been financed through a low-income housing tax credit, and that uh, which is uh, like, comes from state agency that are, uh, and federal agency HUD. So those projects have been built with uh, subsidies and then the subsidies have then uh, carried on to the tenants to, for, for a reduced rent. But you also have to show, uh, you know, an income uh, income level. Right. So how do, how do you, um, how does an agent uh, reach out to you to find out about uh, these classes? Yeah, well, they, um, certainly you can uh, contact my, uh, I can be reached at, at www.shiffert.com, that's C-H-I-F-F, like Frank, E-R-T, or you can even call me on my cell at 917-656-9166. Great. So, um, just a quick question. Has the supply chain issue affected your business? Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot. I mean, especially in some areas like uh, uh, tr- like windows or uh, windows that are like tremendous 16 weeks sometimes, 14 weeks to come in so to, to get the, the windows. Yeah, four months to get windows. It's, it's like, a, a, so th- there are some items like this and the same thing for uh, some of the mechanical equipment also. Uh, really, you really have to order it a lot, and then the the price, the price of lumber, and then the and even worse, the price of steel. It's like uh, something that couldn't even fathom. Lock into a contract with the uh, the customer and uh, say, okay, I can do this project for X amount of dollars. I mean, when you know four months from now that window might be twice the amount that was at the time. Right. So that's that's a challenge. That's a challenge. And that's why most of the work in this area is being done 
on a percentage basis or as a cost plus basis as a, which is in a sense the, the uh, fairly uh, fair way of working you know whereby the, uh, the the actual cost to the contractor is passed on to the owner with full transparency right. the, it's, it's i hate to cut you short you know it's uh, your, your wealth of knowledge here. So, but this is John Christopher for Real Life Broadcasting here in the wonderful village of Southampton, New York, on the only NPR station on Long Island, WLIW 88.3 FM. If you'd like to hear this program again or other podcasts, please go to WLIW.org slash radio slash real life. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome journey. have been listening to Real Life, the program that talks about the people, the places, and the things that are the pulse and heartbeat of real estate in the Hamptons and beyond with host John Christopher, who also created the music for Real Life. WLIWFM's Delaney Hafner and Kyle Lynch provide production support. Thank you for joining us for Real Life right here on listener-supported 88.3 WLIWFM. Long Island's only NPR station, which you can also find on your favorite streaming apps and at wliw.org radio.